because it's fun. It's fun to do bad things. 24-7 Comedy Radio. I want to do horror stuff with my friends. Someone's got to do it. The Green Room is brought to you today by Amazon. Click the Amazon link on SeanTGreen.com to support The Green Room today. And now, live from Silver Lake, California, the host of The Green Room, Sean Green! All right, everyone, welcome to the Green Room. We're doing it live here in the Silver Lake Studios on SeanTGreen.com, presented by our good friends over at 247comedy.com. Make sure you log on over there and you can get there. It's one of their amazing apps. They have it, the uh, iHeartRadio app, their channel, 24-7 Comedy, very popular. I've been getting emails from people checking that out. Even uh, a person in the local Lehigh Valley, he, uh, he heard that I was on there and Googled my name, found out I was also from Lehigh Valley. You know, just networking left and right. Wow. Speaking of left, I'd like to welcome on my left-hand man, Mr. Logan Lysico. Logan, how you doing, sir? Prospero año. All right. <laughs> Is that a little uh, little uh, Mexican? Yeah. A little Spanish? Spanish. Yeah. All right. Well, and I'd like to welcome on our special guest, Mr. Carl Hess. Carl, what's happening, bro? How you doing, guys? Thanks for having me on. No problem. Thanks for uh, thanks for coming on the green room. It's a real tight ship you guys have here. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It. Very tight ship. It's inspiring. Yeah, exactly. We don't, you know, a lot of people come in, oh, hey, this is a podcast. We just do what we feel like. No, we have a very, <laughs> we have music cues. I have uh, topics. I have an official rundown. You got a whole sheet over there. Right. A whole sheet of topics. All right. Because I'm just, yes, I know how to improvise. It's not a script, but there are certain things that we have to get to. You're a professional. Right. Exactly. Exactly. I, yeah, we, sure. We went over several rules right before we started. <laughs> exactly. There was a lot of yelling. <laughs> Logan got very animated. A chair was thrown at one point. I had explained to Logan, I can't use the N-word. We're broadcasting. <laughs> Save that. People for... are going to hear this. Exactly. Now, that whatever you do in your personal life, Logan, that's between you and, um, you know. between you own, and your God. It's your political views. I, I find them a bit all right, extreme. All right, all right. Let's... <laughs> this is a joke. <laughs> this is a joke. It's just a joke. All right, Logan. Well, that's not what you were saying before the show started, but... <laughs> All right. Well, Carl, thanks for coming on. Let's, no problem. Let's, uh, let's get to know Carl a little bit. Now, I know you uh, grew up in the Philadelphia area. Is that correct? I did. We're, we're both uh, native sons of Pennsylvania. Exactly. Now, um, were, you, were you born in Philadelphia? I was born in Lankanaw Hospital, which is in Philadelphia. I grew up right outside the city on the main line. Uh, I went, I, my childhood house is right next to Lower Marion High School, which is where Kobe Bryant went to high school. The Kobe Bryant. I remember when he took Brandy to the senior prom. Now, I was, how, how old were you in that I one? I was, well, he was 18, so I was, I was probably like 12 or 13, something like that. But I remember it was a big deal, because that's when, like, Brandy was very famous. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> no one knew who Kobe was. I actually saw Kobe play, uh, when I was young in the Lower Marion Gymnasium, and he was like, Already like incredible. It, I mean, but I was I, like, that guy seems like kind of a dick. I could tell <laughs> even then. I was like, something about that on a little right. rapey. I don't know. And and he's carried on that dick legacy. That was uh, pretty exciting. I watched that LeBron James uh, documentary, or it's about it's a documentary of these five kids that played together. One of which being LeBron James, and they played all together in middle school and high school. And it's just insane to watch a fully matured, physically LeBron James yeah. at thirteen years old just dunking yeah, on guys, exactly. hanging on guys. It's insane. And I imagine you see the same type of thing when you go and watch Kobe. So now what was uh, – like if someone had to describe you as a kid, what what would one of your friends 
If they were to ask, I was kind of like a weird asked, kid. Hey, I mean, what's, what what was Carl Hess like growing up? What would they describe you as? I was like a hyper kid for sure. I was like that kid who was always getting in trouble. I mean, I liked like taking on that like class clown mantle, you know. But like my dad was the principal of my school. Oh, really? So I went to this oh, like nice. like coat and tie private school, but I got to go for free because like my dad worked there for like thirty years. Oh, so he still teaches you. there. No, not really. <laughs> like when I say he's the principal, pe- people picture like a Mister Belding scenario. But uh, like well, I'm at, picturing at, both your dad is the principal and you're the class clown who never really gets punished probably well the thing <laughs> is the thing is like at this school if you got in trouble you'd be sent to the dean of students he was the dude who like disciplined everyone the principal was just like an administrator it didn't have like right. anything to do with the students so if my dad had been the dean that would have been like a huge problem uh having him be the principal wasn't really big it was normal for me because he was like a teacher there for a long time so it's just like ah, my dad worked right. at the school like that's nah, just normal for me I guess it was kind of weird. When I was in high school, did you? So everyone you wanted to smoke in. Uh, I'd drive my dad's Explorer like on the weekends, and we'd be like, "We gotta box the Explorer. It's the principal's <laughs> car." And I'd be like, "No, guys, no. They're cloth seats. They hold the scent." Let's hot box the Explorer, man. Yeah, Come so on. I never had my own car. Like every other kid had like their own like Land Rovers and shit. I'm like driving my dad's Explorer. Like no, no one smoked. No, here. guys. Then, then, I, then I'd break down and let it. Then we'd like. We'd like rub it down with dryer sheets and like cut a lemon in half and be like, no one can tell. It's fine. No, it totally absorbs the scent. It's almost like it wasn't worth it because now so you work so hard to clean it. Oh, it's, yeah. The idea, like, yeah, it doesn't smell like weed, but it smells like something else. It that smells like clearly... you're trying to cover up with a right. lemon. You're like, why is there a lemon in here? What the fuck? Oh, why, why does it smell like sage? I don't remember putting a lot of sage in my car. Oh, come on, Dad. I just wanted your uh, SUV to smell Mountain Fresh. Yeah, I was. I I like had dreadlocks when I was eighteen. Like it was bad. Wow, it was real bad. I was in that whole like, you know, I just kind of started getting into smoking weed and like I was, I was like trying to be rebellious. It looked so bad. They were awful. <laughs> so you're I, you're a prep school kid wearing yeah wearing a shirt and tie yep. with the white guy dreadlocks, dreadlocks. going. Shirt. And I had them cut to like the ma- you couldn't have e- a hair past your earlobes <laughs> or it was like you couldn't have sideburns past your earlobes or hair past like part of your chin. So I had him like down to here, but it was right, right to the oh chin god, line. yeah, I was, so I was pushing like, it to the limit. So you were like a thin gutter from PCU. Is that what we're? Is that what, <laughs> yes. that's for the people at home? No, no, no. my dreads look worse than that. <laughs> no, then gutter because I didn't PCU? have them put in. I literally just let them clump in. Like I let oh, my hair mat into clumps. It was so, so it's gross. Both not groomed, but then it's like it is yeah. groomed because you had to cut it. Like the <laughs> top, like length. right on the <laughs> on the top of the head was just like a chunk. It was like a cube of hair that was just disgusting. I I, I ended up shaving my head in the middle of the year. I'd, I'd push it as far as I could go. And then I, now, I what year What year off. is that we're talking about? I was a senior then. Senior. That, this was only for like a few months as a senior. This wasn't like this wasn't all through high school. Like, oh, okay. But yeah, I did let my hair grow really long, the longest I could, just because I was like, yeah, man. Was that your? That was your way of just saying, hey, Dad, don't tell me how to live? Yeah, exactly. And, he, and my dad's like such a cool guy. Like he's not a dick at all. He's like <laughs> the most chill. He's just like, why is your hair like that? I'm like, you don't know me. <laughs> No, so I always had like a really good relationship with my parents, but they were they were definitely they like, weren't they weren't real strict. They were not stoked about there. They weren't real strict. Uh, my family's actually really cool. Like you, you always talk to comics, and they're like they're like the embarrassment of their family, and their parents like hate them. Like my parents are pretty supportive. Yeah, no, I agree. I my parents, I I got to say, same type of thing. I mean, they were kind of a, a little more like I was the oldest, so I think they were kind of ball busters a little bit. But I think that was just them trying to figure out where the line was. But yeah, as far as comedy, they've always been uh, super supportive. I mean, it's like you know, as supportive as you can be, or just like they don't know, like, hey, you should 
try being on TV or like yeah, they, don't, they don't know how it works, but and yeah, and I don't know how it works obviously either. <laughs> but uh, not that <laughs> I have it out together, right? Showbiz. I mean, it, showbiz. No one has it figured out. This is a good idea. You should try that. I should. I should. <laughs> I, this is my New Year's resolution: take all my relatives' advice, get a really good agent, and get on television. Like, yeah, that is good advice. I mean, when Snooki's making eight million dollars a year, it's hard to lay down like hard fast rules of what works in show You're business right. and what doesn't. You're right. These are the end times. Any Anything goes. Yeah, it, we're, we're really going in this transition where... We're through the looking glass, people. <laughs> it's no longer an honor to be on television considered entertainment. It's almost just like this, uh, you know, weird, just like kind of um, Orwellian experiment to, to be on television at this point, almost. It's almost like when someone tells you they went to Paris. It's almost like, oh, you took that trip? That's weird. It's not that. It's not that strange. I don't. I'm sorry, Logan. I don't get the analogy. Uh, yeah, I don't. I don't. I don't, I don't, I don't see where you're going with that at all. You lost us there. It's that common. I don't know. Oh, okay. you're just saying Paris is commonplace, so it's not impressive <laughs> if you go there anymore. <sighs> I don't know. Yeah, I don't, I don't even. <laughs> I appreciate well, it's the same amount. It's like, well, that's cool. I haven't been to Paris, but you know, it's not unbelievable. Anyway. <laughs> Okay. I would love to see you in Paris. I uh, yeah, so would I. <laughs> Have you been in Paris? Yeah. All right. Now what's a what's a trip like for Logan Lysico? Do you speak in French? We oui, we. Oui. Like well? We oui. it's a lot easier for people <laughs> who speak French. Now what it, what oui, was your Did you have any crazy uh crazy run ins? No, I went with my parents right out of high school. That was like their gift. My dad was a pilot, so they got like a hookup to go. Oh, that's Europe. great. It was awesome. What were the uh what were the chicks like in Paris? A lot of hot girls, uh, and they were very rude there. Like <laughs> they lived up to that. Their, they yeah. lived up to the standard. It's now, uh, Carl, I know you've uh, you've done a lot of traveling. Where have you gone as far as uh, places? Uh, I feel like you've been to a couple been interesting to, places. I've been to a lot. Uh, I I'm like I'm kind of all about traveling. Like if I didn't do comedy, I'd probably be like one of those dudes. Like I'm just gonna take off. Bro. Yeah, just get a bindle like, and you a hear stick about these and just dudes. ride the rails. Well, like when you're traveling, you meet like. These Australian dudes who just like bounce for yeah, two how, how years. Is, it I seems don't even like know how they do Australia's it. main export is backpackers, yeah, right? Like it's crazy. I, just from living Germans in Los Angeles, too. and uh, do these guys ever have full time jobs or just backpacking a job? How does that work out? Well, do these I guys think have, like, like in money? Europe, it's actually cooler because they do like the gap year, which is basically like their equivalent of between high school and college, and like a lot of kids travel for that whole year. And I think it's cool that, I mean, obviously in Europe it's easier. All the countries are together. You can just kind of be like, oh, I'm in another country now. Yeah, yeah, Drive yeah. around. But I think that's cool to encourage kids to like travel. So wait, they have age. a year where between high school yeah. and college where nothing's Gap really year. expected of them? I mean, so, some kids get jobs. But, like it's very common to like travel for part or that entire year. And it's like, that's fucking cool. Yeah, man. Like that's I what like I should I've have done before college. Gap years. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I've been trying to fill in these gaps. Uh, just a lot of open mics and working crappy jobs. We'll call it a gap year. Yeah. All right, so now you're you're out in Philadelphia. When did were you were you kind of interested in the arts from an early age? Were you interested in comedy? Yeah, growing up? like I definitely was like doing plays and shit. Like I I knew I enjoyed that. Like you know, you get a laugh in class from saying something dumb. Yeah, yeah. 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 Do you remember Do you remember any uh, any like particular lines as a kid or at particular moments where you really had teachers cracking yeah, up? Yeah, I totally do. Because um, I love Carlin. I would listen to like Carlin tapes on my Walkman. And he'd always do, you know, he's like all about language. He'd always talk yeah, about yeah. like oxymorons and like uh, things you never hear. I remember one of the bits of the things you would never hear, but he'd just do a bunch of them. And one was like, 
after I shove this hot poker up my ass, I'm going to chop my dick off. Like, I thought that was the funniest thing I'd ever heard when I was 13. Like, it still holds up. It still holds up. But, like, when I was 13, like, oh, I yeah. was falling off the bed laughing on that. Well, that's like I remember listening to Dennis Leary, and I was just like, oh, my God, this guy is yeah. a maniac. Yeah. He wrote a song using the word asshole. He plays by no one's rule. <laughs> yeah, it was just, oh, my God, he can't say it. He's, he's in public talking about smoking pot. This guy is a maniac. <laughs> and, he, you know, he's just, like, so angry and fired up and just, oh, my God. He, he, listen, he said the F word, like, 35 times. This yeah. guy's a genius. He's a rebel. He's a, he's a, I remember being in a history class in, like, seventh grade. And uh, the teacher was talking about oxymorons, and I just, like, heard Carlin talking about that concept. And she's like, you know, like, two words that go together, but you'd think they wouldn't, like, civil war. And she was like, Carl, like, why why is civil war an oxymoron? And I was like, because you can't be like, ooh, we'll have some tea, and then I'll blow your face off. And I got, like, a huge laugh. And yes. I was just like, yeah, See, I'm and, into this. Yes. And I feel like the English class is the place to get that laugh, because mm-hmm. if you... I feel like if you did that on stage, people would be like civil. Oh, oh, and then you'd have to have right. that beat of like people thinking what civil was again. But in the context of uh, language arts class, that's just I know it was just killer. getting it teed up, man. And I was like super into listening to comedy, but like I, I read this thing that Seinfeld said once, which I thought was like really was like the same for me. It's like when you're a kid, like I don't think you realize that you can be a comedian. You know, right. like you you like hear these comics. Like I'd listen to like Bill Cosby and Carlin, but it's like. It never really occurs to you that it's like a like a life choice. Like, yeah, you're just like these guys are comedians. That's what they are. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, you're how just they kind of born that. into They're it. Comedians, like yeah, you're just. I don't know, but it's like in your mind, you never make that connection. Like I could, I like that's a job that people grow up and have. Like yeah, you I never th- think that. I think when it changed for me, when I thought like I could, or it was a more real thing, would be. I remember in high school we used to cut, uh, or like the one time we like cut class and we took a bus to watch Conan at the, you know, to actually see a TV show live. You're like, I could yeah. be that like, goofy Irish guy. Like yeah. I could do that. Yeah. Or you, we would go and like see shows at the comedy show when we we're like 18 or whatever. And it's like, wait, that guy's just, he's a regular. Would you, you kind do of, that? Were you seeing live stand up that young? I would say, yeah, I would say I started seeing it, yeah, like, I mean, definitely freshman year of college. Yeah, definitely um, college, but not, never, I don't think I ever saw live stand up when I was in high school. I, well, I'm trying to think. It might have been like the summer between high school and college. Right. I mean, I remember seeing Conan a few times in high school. Okay. So that was kind of but like, like the taping of the show. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And then there'd to, be like a stand up comic. Yeah, cast there'd be a guy or, up okay. there. And yeah, you, okay, you just kind of go to yeah, these. Yeah. Like it, it felt more real. And just I remember coming back from that uh, bus ride of watching Conan, and it was just like, man, I could, I could do that. Like I could. You talk went to in New York with friends specifically to, to watch. Yeah, the yeah, a bunch That's of awesome. us. We were That's like, really cool. we we're Conan nerds. I think it was, I think it was might have been our senior skip day. Wow. A lot of people went to the Jersey Shore. I went to the Wing Bowl in Philadelphia, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we just went to uh, we went to a Conan taping. You have to explain the Wing Bowl because oh it's, it's a Philadelphia tradition. All right, well, if you're, I should say this: uh, Barry Rothbard, who's another uh, LA comedian who's from New York. He's making a documentary about competitive eating. Oh wow! Called, called Hungry. It's coming out to him. It's going to be amazing. Um, but like, I told him about the Wing Bowl, and I was like, "Like, you have to go to the Wing Bowl and film it because it's literally the craziest thing I've ever seen." So I was a senior, and like, it it draws like sixty thousand people no, at like it will... seven a.m. Right? Like, there were dudes there like like three a.m. drunk. Yep. At, like in the morning. They roll. They roll the pregame from the night before. It was crazy. So somehow, 
I was already into college. It was like senior spring in high school. So I like somehow convinced my dad to let me like skip. I was like, I have free periods. I'm not missing any class. Like totally lying. <laughs> but, like I was already into college. So yeah. I was like kind of lenient. That, probably, that is a sweet semester. Not to oh, interrupt, yeah. but that is the sweet semester when you're already in college. So sweet. College is already, oh, wait, you better not get an F because then they're going to take college away from you. Even even at that young age, I was like, nah, that's, nah they're not, not going to. My dad taught a Japanese history class at my high school that senior spring and he wanted me to take it. And I was like, <laughs> I was like, dad, I'm going to, I'm going to level with you here. Yep. Uh, this I'm, is where I'm, I'm completely coasting. checked out. I'm completely coasting. And, like, my dad's the kind of dude who's, like, he would hold me to, like, a very high standard if I took his class. Like, he wouldn't go easy on me at Oh, all. no, no. Like, he's nice, but, like, he's he, he would expect me to, like, work Yeah, I feel like moms... So I was just like, mm, that's not Moms happening. maybe do that, but I feel like traditionally dads almost... Yeah. Like, a dad who coached a football team or whatever, they've almost, like... They hold you to a much they higher standard. 110%. I mean, they might give you some playing time, but they're also going to yell at you and make an example out of you. For sure. So I, I shut that down. But somehow, it was, like, me and my two friends, we drive downtown philly and the wing bowl is a a chicken wing eating contest that's held (laughs) in it was it was in veteran stadium yeah that was before veteran stadium was demolished so literally sixty thousand people and it's like the the wing eating competition is almost like secondary to like the pageantry yes every competitor has like a name like the dude who won that year was lord of the wings there was el (laughs) wingador so like and these dudes come out and there's like literally like a parade there's all these like scantily clad women it's it's so babes yeah we we go up we get to the parking lot it's like 7 30 in the morning we're drinking malt liquor because that's like what we did then (laughs) we're so dumb and we're like having trouble getting it down like we like drinking 40s but you know it's like seven in the morning you just brush your teeth at home you're like oh god this is but there's dudes there like already fall down drunk. Like people are so drunk. It was crazy. We go in and just, yeah, every competitor comes out. They're announced. They have like an entourage. Like there was like floats and like there's all these scantily clad women. What time is the actual competition? I think it like, I think the actual competition started at like 10 or 11. Um, AM? Yeah, AM. But I remember this dude, he comes out in the middle on like a tarp and he has. 12 cans of beer and he like announces over the pa that he's going to smash he's going to smash open each beer on his forehead and then suck down each beer and like that's what he starts doing he takes the first can smashes it against his forehead until there's a hole sucks it down throws it <laughs> down grabs hole. beer number two smashes it against his head till it's open so this is like a viking Yo, entering the, by the fourth beer he's bleeding so much from his face <laughs> like literally covered in blood he can't stand by the fifth beer before he gets the beer open, like fully open, he knocks himself out. <laughs> like we were just like, oh my god! Like they literally had to come pick this up. There's beer and blood. Beer. They come pick this up, put him on a stretcher, and drive him out of the center of the car. It, it was like, oh wow, it was that's insane. hilarious. And they that's brought the card like, out, and that was like a tame thing. Like I remember there was a dude from New York, like a competitive eater, whose his name was like Bulldog or something. He'd grab the mic and be like. Fuck you, Philly. Like, I'm all about New York. And everyone would be like, and then he like vomited in the finals. Everyone was like, so happy. They were like, fuck you. Like, it was, it was, it's like such a quintessentially Philly thing. Like, it just captures the essence of Philadelphia so well. Just angry, drinking, uh, indulging in crazy meat eating. I remember, you know, the cheer like E A G L E S Eagles. Like, they do that every Eagles game. There were dudes. Next to us that were so drunk that they would start that cheer and were like too drunk to literally like spell out <laughs> too the drunk word. to finish like, the Eagles e- uh, and then they just kind of like trail <laughs> off like it was so crazy like 
literally that drunk at 8 a.m. That's, I mean, it's insane, especially if you didn't grow up in that culture or yeah. you don't, you don't under, understand the idea of like, it's almost like once the wing bowl, the idea got pitched, it's just like common sense of like, oh, yes, of course. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> For the people of Philly, it's like, why were we not doing this mm-hmm. before? This is us. This How is long what has we... it been going? I don't even really know the history. I think it's probably got to be like 10, 15 years. I just remember always hearing about it. Yes. I never, I oh, never actually... always heard about it and you always heard how crazy it was. Yeah. You're like, it can't be that crazy. And so then you get there like, this is way crazier than I ever imagined. I remember one of the more recent hot dog eating contests. I'll never remember. I'll never forget this. It was um, one of the guys came out. He had a name. He was Eater X, and it said uh, the only faith-based eater. <laughs> he's like, <laughs> he's super religious. Like that's his th- oh, wow. that's his gimmick. I'm very religious. I'm very into the Lord. He helps me with my competitive eating. God bless his bounty. I'm about to consume. <laughs> yes, exactly. Did you who won? I remember uh, it wasn't Lord of the Wings. El Wingador won that year. I guess it was O2 or O1. And uh, he was this huge fat dude with, like, an amazing flowing mullet who, like, came out in a cape. He ate 274 wings. Like, that was the final count. I mean, that's... Like, that's insane. That's the... Like, yeah, I don't know how guys wouldn't die. Like, I don't know everything about the human body, but I imagine just that crazy... I'm no scientist. <laughs> right, exactly. I, love, I love the guy who purposes... I'm no scientist, <laughs> but 270 wings, just your body processing that yeah. all at once. How Something's does that not trigger multiple know. heart attacks? I have no idea. Something's at least got... A lot of people in. threw up, like, it was... Now, Carl, did you enter? Because I know you're a... Uh, no. You're kind of an eating aficionado. I, I You're not a eating. competitive eater. I like my, I'm, my family was all about like eating large portions. That was always like a thing. Me and my brother would have eating contests. But like I remember the dude who was named Lord of the Wings was our age, and he was like from another school oh, that wow. we would like compete against. So we were like, "That's that dude." He's like, you know, he was like an 18 year old kid. He was big, but like not huge. Right. And we were just like, "He's so brave." <laughs> Like we didn't understand how he could be in this contest. We're like, wow. Now I'm guy. sure I'm sure people ask you this all the time because I've seen you eat a ton of food and yet you're you're very skinny. Is there any sort of secret or is it just your natural metabolism? Well, I used to like I used to just eat like shit. Like in college, I literally would just like I don't think I bought groceries for like the entire four years of college. <laughs> or like, I, I don't think I ate fruit for four years in college. That's like, a good run. College, I just ate like garbage. Like a lot of Panda Express. Yes. Like oh, a lot and that's of even like sub- bad. I went to Subway like four times. Like. That's Subway's even... terrible. Yes. No, like, I. You don't, to, you don't need to tell me, man. I hate Subway. And I loved it. Like I, I'm a huge, I'm a huge like sandwich guy. Like I love sandwiches and like. Yeah, nice. I hoagie. acknowledge that Subway. Yeah, like growing up in the East Coast, it's like that's what you eat. Yes. But like hoagies. I acknowledge that Subway is terrible, but for some reason, just like there was one that was 24 hours near where I lived. Oh, okay. Uh, and I was just like, I would go there all the time. But yeah, just like you know, my dad's like from Lancaster County, so he kind of grew up with that like. Lancaster County, like okay, never waste of, anything. Kind of a like farm mindset. Big dinners, like big hearty Sunday, meals. hearty Sunday dinners, and like yeah, me and my brother just had. No, is your, is your dad appetite. a big guy? No, he's not. My parents are both crazy fit. Like my dad is sixty-seven. He runs eight miles a day. Wow. My mom's like a fitness instructor. Like my brother, like runs half marathons. Like I'm, I'm the least healthy guy in the family. And, like, I've only recently started being, like, I should, like, buy food and, like, <laughs> eat fruit. And, like, in the last couple of years, do you, I've started do you, Are like, you an exercise guy? You exercise? No, you I, I really hate working out. Like, when we were in high school, we had to do sports. And, like, I did wrestling and, like, crew. And it was, like, super intense. You had to, like, I was, like, in, like, great shape. But I think after when I got to college, I was just so relieved, like, not to have to do any of that. <laughs> like, I literally never exercised. Did you do the freshman 15? Oh, yeah. I bulked up. Like, sophomore year, I was, like pushing 200 oh nice 
like i was i was also just the drinking like yes. so much drinking that just that just packs on the yeah body. those empty calories they're nobody's friend yeah freshman 15 is definitely so now what what brought you out to college how did you decide now i know you you ended up going to usc correct yeah i don't the weird thing is like i don't remember like the first time when i knew i wanted to go to usc it was just like one day it was just there and i was like that's what i'm doing I was like convinced. I'd, I'd been to California once before when I was like 16 on like a backpacking trip in like Northern California. I hadn't even been to LA. Yeah. But I just like immediately fell in love with California. It was up but like by where Cornell's from. Oh, okay. On like up the in, Lost uh, Coast. Cornell Reed. Yeah. It Comedian. was like, it was gorgeous. Like we went to In N Out. Like we went to San Francisco after like the backpacking part. And like I just love California. I don't know. My, my dad wanted me to go to Brown. That's where my brother went. That's where he went. That's where, like, where my grandmother went. He was like, you know, get a good Ivy League education. I was right. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. USC is kind of like the pseudo Ivy League. Like, it's like up a there. Good it's, a good, it's a good school. I mean, I just, I was like really into theater in high school. So like, USC had a good no, theater so school. Was that the plan? Was that the plan? Come out to LA, yeah. do USC theater school That's, and it was. become an actor? Yeah, I mean, pretty much, I think, in my head, that was the plan. But then I got to USC Theater School. Like, in high school, I thought I was, like, a theater nerd. You know, like, <laughs> I did plays, I did musicals, right. I was in Fiddler on the Roof. Like, You I knew what it. theater was, exactly. which made you a theater exactly. nerd in high school. Then I get to USC, and I was just like, I realized I wasn't anywhere close. Like, these kids were wearing, like, eyeshadow to parties. <laughs> I was like, I can't even, like, I'm, I don't even, I'm way out of my depth. Like, this is a whole new thing. Um, so I ended up actually not being that involved. With so you were like the, you were like the alpha male jack of the theater. No, world. I wasn't. <laughs> I was just kind of like, I, I was also just like super lazy. Um, plus I was like, I, I did like some student films. So I was like, it's LA. Like I should be in movies. Like I want to be in films. Like, ah, theater. Like I'm tired of that. But really it was just like a byproduct of me being like super lazy and be like, I don't smoke weed all day and yeah. do nothing because, <laughs> you know, you're like away from your, childhood you're like yeah i can do whatever i want this is exactly freedom you're out in la you're at usc like that's what i always wish i'm always like i wish i had started doing stand-up in college but then like then i always think like i I wasn't ready like if i if i was ready i would have started doing it like i had friends that did like i knew nick he did it i had this other friend nick rutherford yeah he was doing it a lot this guy brett sadell that i knew and like you know i was like i knew i wanted to do it and i'd be like writing stuff but i was just like who gives a crap yeah, I, I just didn't have the ball. Maybe I just didn't have the balls to get on stage for the first well, time. Well, and then also when you're still kind of in college, you're in college mode. There, yeah, it, I was in total college mode. There isn't as much a sense of urgency. No, where once you not. get in the real world and you're faced with real jobs and you're working real jobs, I think it creates a, a – like that lights a much bigger flame underneath you to be like, oh, wait, I really want to do this And now. I think that helped that when I first started. Like after college, I went to Southeast Asia for four months and just like traveled. And I like loved it, and I like almost stayed there to teach English. But then, like, part of me, like, I was like, I gotta go back and start comedy. Like, that's what I want to do. So I moved back, and like, fortuitously, like, right when I got back and got my first apartment in LA, I heard of this USC comedy contest. Oh, that okay. was open to recent alumni and current students, and I was like, this is the perfect place to do stand up. So, like, having done stand up for like two weeks, like, I, I hit the open mics immediately. Like, I had, like, two weeks before this contest. So, with, like, two weeks in, I did a show for, like, 600 people <laughs> which in, is like, the massive USC auditorium. And it was, like, awesome. Like, Nick Rutherford was on it. Adam Ray, who's another L.A. guy who went to USC, was on it. And, like, 
it was amazing. Like the crowd was like so nice. It was all students, so they laughed at everything. Like kids who were doing stand up for the first time that night were like killing. Oh god. So like it was just I mean, like the that... ultimate launch pad. Plus Jeffrey Ross and Russell Peters were like judging because it was like a contest. Okay. Um and they were both like super nice. Like, you know, Jeffrey Ross could have like torn us apart with insults. Right. Like we were all pretty Yeah, bad. no, I've gotten But he was like super encouraging, like he, you know, he came backstage. He was like drinking whiskey with. He actually ended up banging a con girl that night, which <laughs> no, I think is awesome. so funny. I thought that was hilarious. I was like, the only reason he's back here being nice is because he wants to fuck. Yeah, yeah, he was the one girl who was. Well, she was a female performer. Yeah, the one girl <laughs> who was the worst. <laughs> she was. So... What do you mean? She was the best, Carl. Uh, and he he sees a lot of potential from her. Yeah, it was funny. <laughs> uh, yeah, my Jeff Ross story was I was at what is that? Um, oh geez, the name it. Um. That Monday night show, Jazz Run, sorry. Tiger Lily. Tiger Lily. I was at Tiger Lily hanging out, just kind of sitting back watching the show. And I was just off to the side, standing up. And Jeff Ross is on stage. He's like, oh, who the who the hell does this guy think he is? And they're like, oh, what's your deal, man? Too cool to sit down at a table? I'm like, no, I'm just standing here. He's like, oh, where are you coming from? And I was like, oh. Actually, I just did a uh, comedy show, and he's like, where at? I'm like, oh, this pizza place just didn't open mic there. He's like, oh, man, you must be beating the women off with a stick. And so, you know, he went, or he gets in there, he starts roasting me or, or whatever. Right. Then uh, later on in the night, I go to this other show uh, down the street on Vermont, and I'm sitting there hanging out in the audience again, and he drops in on this show and then goes up again and i don't know if he was high or whatever he didn't he didn't recognize me because he just started going in at me again like oh look at this guy were you standing over. on the side again no i was sitting up in the front like oh, at a wow. different place he was like oh yeah too cool to sit up straight huh and he had no idea because i talked to him afterwards i was like oh man he really busted my chops he's like wait I was like, yeah, no, I was the first guy at the other show. <laughs> it's like I roasted by him twice in one night. That's really funny. So you had this great experience. Yeah, and doing the, the stand-up show. And like, and then... For the next eight, nine months, I was just like voracious open mics, like two, two a night, like just whatever I could get. I used to do haha cafe, pay to yep. go on stage and like drive super fast to get to the rainbow bar and grill and sunset and do that like horrible upstairs open mic for like wannabe rocker dudes like yes just like you know grinding it out and the, getting the, as much um, stage time as i could the the um yeah the uh, rainbow open mic it was hilarious so funny because some of the times they would have like it, it's hard to explain but the the area that they did the room in was almost three levels there was like a lower kind of basement level there was like a second level you were performing like at a base of stairs yes. people who were like at a bar on the top of the stairs, like looking down at you. It was yes. literally the worst thing. Ever. It was humiliating. I've never had a crowd look down at me. And yeah. that was like the downstairs kind of basement area was where you were performing. So but it wasn't funny. like a cleared out area. It was just basically the bottom of the stairwell. That's where they decided, okay, we'll set up the guys here. <laughs> yeah. And then you mostly it was like God, you said, kind of acoustic going. rocker people. My I'm sure friend it is. from USC was actually running it. It was perfect. Like he didn't make me pay, and he put me up in the good, like the good, quote unquote good spot. Yeah. But like Lemmy from Motorhead was always downstairs, <laughs> and like Be Real from Cypress Hill was always there, like just blatantly smoking blunts. Like oh yeah, it was such dude, a weird get, place. You, Dave Navarro's there. It's like it's like this holdover from like the '80s Sunset Strip. Yeah, like guys grew up listening to Motley Crue. Yeah. And decided, oh man, I'm going to do what Motley Crue did and che- check out the Rainbow Room. But really, it's just, it's just kind of like bizarre touristy trap. Really I don't weird. know how to explain it. Super weird. So now, all right, you're living out here in, in California, uh, you know, doing comedy and, uh, enjoying yourself. What, uh, what are you up to these days? What's, uh, what's the big project you're working on, Carl? I don't really have a big project. My overall project for 2012 is just like, 
get out of LA to do comedy more. Like, right. I, I had the same yeah, thing talk, last year. You said and, New Year's Eve. You were uh, at Milwaukee. Yeah, I I brought in the New Year uh, featuring for Moshe Kasher, who's a very funny comedian in Milwaukee, and uh, that was cool. And it's just nice to like. You know, L.A., it's like you just get seven-minute sets all around town because there's so many people and everyone's fighting for stage time tooth and nail. And it's just yeah, like, that's good because, you know, it pushes you to be original and, you know, there's so many people doing it. It's like you got to come with something strong. But it's hard to, like, build an hour just doing seven-minute no, sets, yeah, it's not, you know, it's not all the easy. time. So it was really nice you know we were doing two shows a night and i was doing like 25 minutes half an hour a night and it was like it now was describe great. what it's what is it like hanging out new year's eve at a comedy club because really i've never fun. done new year's eve and i part of me thinks like oh that'd be kind of weird but I it don't, was i thought I mean, it was weird could... but i wasn't going to turn it down so i was like whatever plus i'll like save money on yeah know, yeah i'll yeah. make some money and i'll i won't be here like spending Blowing tons money. of money on booze and being an idiot so I had heard all these stories about this club, the Comedy Cafe in Milwaukee, which is a super nice club, but like the old owners used to just be like these wannabe, like wise guy dudes who like when they'd pay the feature, they'd like put a revolver on the desk <laughs> and they'd like pay you in like fives and ones. And I heard stories of like they'd tape the feature to like a tree outside. So I heard all these horror stories. Wow. And I was that like, sounds oh, wow. Awesome. I hope it's, I hope it's better. And then, uh, yeah, someone told me like they'd always just like the owner. Like this, these like wannabe like wise guy dudes would be in the back just like heckling the features like just at his own club like <laughs> with his fucking criminal friends just because they thought it was funny just creating a great environment yeah. all around and then like yeah I heard all these stories I was like I wonder what this is gonna be like but uh, the new owners were like super awesome and like it was a really fun weekend then I heard all these stories about how like the condo or the comic stay was like heinous and that was like the old one the new one was actually like super nice so. I mean, once I got there, I was like, oh, this is great. Worked out good? Yeah, like Milwaukee, the beer is so cheap. It's like $2 is like beer. Yeah. I mean, one fifty two dollars That's a beer in a well, Milwaukee that's the thing, bar. Like, I was like, are you, are you kidding me? When I went to... Uh, you forget, like when you're not in LA or New York, it's like regular people just live regular lives and drink regular priced beer. It's like no one's paying $7 for a beer in middle America. In oh, Wisconsin, no. Wisconsin, you can buy your kids beer at the bar. Yeah, it was great. Like it was, it was super fun. I had a great weekend. Yeah, when I went back to Penn State, you forget how... Like, there's normal middle America prices, and yeah. then there's college town right. in middle America prices, which is $5 pitchers. Like, you could get a pitcher of yeah. beer for $5. Yeah, I, and we're not trying to encourage binge drinking, but we just encourage But in college, values. I was definitely trying to encourage binge drinking. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so it, it actually, it was great because, you know, you do, like, two half-an-hour sets a night. Right. And, you know, the pressure is not on you. It's like, you know, like, the crowds are all great, so it wasn't like I really had to work that hard. Um, but, uh... It was just great doing longer sets and being able to like yeah, stretch yeah, out and relax, muscle. like kind of fuck with the crowd. Like you're not just like seven minutes, like oh I gotta try this joke, I gotta try this joke. This is the only time I have. Like so that's nice. And you know, like, I I said the same thing last year, and I I I did a pretty good job of getting out on the road and doing shows outside of LA. So that's kind of what I want to do this year. Just I feel like that's important to develop as a comic. It's like yeah, you hit a you hit a place where you're just kind of plateauing, and it's like you want to keep developing. You gotta like. Keep pushing yourself and be doing like as much time as you possibly can, which is, you know, it's not like New York here. It's like these New York guys are growing up like two, three times a night. And that's right. the norm. It's like L.A. It's like it's you really just can't do that. Yeah. No. Yeah. You probably get up once a night, something like that. So the big project is just, uh, you know, trying to get more paid work and trying to uh, trying to get out of L.A. Just living that dream, man. It's like you dream to get to L.A. And then you're like, oh, hey, I want to get on the road, see America. Definitely. Well, that's the thing. It's like I love living here, but 
you forget when you go somewhere else, the crowds are just like these unpretentious, like, you're just, like people are just, just no- yeah, there's these normal people trying to have fun. Like you forget that people are just like, like, oh, these people are so nice. Like they're just people are happy to, to see comedy. They're so positive. Like LA, it's just like, you know, everyone's like, it's LA. People are like, ah, so. Yeah, exactly. Like, well, yeah, I, I went home for uh, Christmas and I did a big show with John Elkosta. Yeah, it must have been so fun. Yeah, it was great. Sold out like 450 seats. It was crazy. Fantastic. Although there was one lady who heckled me. <laughs> Like, even <laughs> even before they start off the show, they go, all right, please, everyone, we're going to be taping this. No yelling at, blah, blah, blah. So I, I you know, I'm just kind of up there fucking around. I'm like, yeah, I'm single. And then I just hear this. I can see why. <laughs> I was like, oh, my God. And I that was like right off the top when you were. Yeah, yeah. And no, no, it was like, you know, 20, She's 30 minutes like, in. <laughs> <laughs> and I go, what was that? And the, the, the someone else who had heard it, he goes, she goes, uh, I know why you're single. And then I start off like trying to be nice. I'm like, oh, you really hurt my feelings in front of my mom. Thanks a lot. And then I'm just like, no, wait, who the hell are you? Like, I, I don't yeah. see you with any uh, studs. Like, you're not dating. I don't know. My references are coming out. Like, you're not dating Albert Pujols. Who the hell do you? <laughs> who the hell do you think you are? Blah blah. And then I'm going off and off. And then, and then the this the lady that yelled out before goes. Wait, are you single? And I go, oh my god, that's how I started this entire rant. You're not even listening. That's really funny. Was she an old lady by herself? No, I think she was like maybe I want to say 40s or something like that. She was pretty sauced up. And then I and then I kept going into that's her. Great. And my dad was after the show. He's like. Or you know, a couple of days later, he's like, "I'm really proud of you, son." No, no, you he took was, down that drunk woman artfully was, and with skill. He was like, "Yeah, you know, I thought you were pretty hard on her. Like, <laughs> I thought maybe, I thought maybe you should have been a little more accommodating." But I talked to everyone else, and they said that was like their favorite part of the show. So. <laughs> your dad is so funny, man. I can, but oh, I mean, man. I'd that's love to meet your dad. That's kind of my act because I like I. You know, I like doing the jokes and stuff, but whenever I can have a moment where I'm like right in the moment riffing or yeah. yelling at people or kind of going off on something, that's when I, that's what I'm, that's always, when I really peak, I feel like. That's what I'm always most satisfied with. And yeah, when you're kind of living I always try to do that. And it's so easy to fall back into stuff that you like kind of know will work. Yeah. It's like, it's like so a much seven better. or a six. Like, and, and those are the comics I like watching. Like the dudes who is not just like, the good joke, it's like the fact that they're so present and in the moment and like willing to play with anything that yeah, happens. Yeah, kind of willing to risk. Like, yeah, I'm just gonna, yell, I'm just gonna go on this thing. If it works, it works. If it doesn't, it doesn't succeed or not. But yeah, New Year's Eve, uh, Logan and I got on the, uh, comedy party bus. Yeah. Our buddy Nick, uh, we're Rutherford that we're talking about, he set up this big party bus. So it was about 20, 30, uh, you know, comedians and then a couple, uh, Couple girls were on there. That was, I have that was fond pretty memories exciting. from the uh, party bus last year that that we did. Yes, I missed you, man. It is a uh, it's a unique experience getting on a party bus. You're driving around, and it's you know we like people dressed up, wore nice clothing. It, it, you're like standing up on the bus. I'm trying to hold my drink. Like I was almost the first <laughs> one to knock out. Like I was right. the guy who it was like had. I had a thing of champagne and the whiskey I was working, and I forgot to hold on to one of the handrails. This stopped short. I almost like took, and this was early on. Right. This wasn't like later on. You're you, that guy. Like Green's already down. Exactly. <laughs> Jesus, it's only nine thirty. <laughs> it's hilarious too. Just the way you kind of lose people. Like we went from party to party yeah. to party. Just smaller crowd yes. every time. On the we came back, it was like eight people. I was one of the eight people. There was people are bleeding. It's like, <laughs> Someone's on fire. It's like, what is happening? It's it's the exact opposite of the Navy SEALs. Like, if someone's left behind, right. we will leave you there. Yeah, we will every, just... literally every man left behind. <laughs> yes, literally. That's the goal: is to leave people behind. 
And I was just, I was just paranoid for some reason, like, ah, I gotta get the party bus, cause it's tough, it's tough to find a cab New Year's Eve it in is, Los Angeles. Definitely. Everyone's like, oh, don't drink and drive, do this, do that. But it really is hard to find a cab, like, they'll, it'll be like a two hour wait or something crazy, so. That's the, the best party night bus. for a party bus. It's literally like ideal. That's what me and Nick figured out last year. It was like. Yeah, 40 bucks. Like, you can't drive. Like, exactly. You can't drive around drunk in New Year's. Yeah. Like, that's just out. I mean, you want to go to multiple parties. You right. want to drink a lot. It's like the party bus solves all those problems. Yes. Yes. And you gain extra valuable drinking time by being on the party bus. Drinking and Nor- route. Exactly. Normally, you lose some drinking time. Can't like, do that in a cab. Hey, 20, 30 minutes. Yeah, cab guy. He's <laughs> not going to Precious drinking time. <laughs> cab I guy. you're drinking and or falling down <laughs> while on the way to this party. And I'll tell you, I don't, I haven't been to every cab in the city, but there are not stripper poles in most cabs that I've been in, okay? <laughs> And just the idea, even if people aren't stripping on the pole, which no one did, just the idea, it's, it's It's fun. It's fun. It's, it just, it it embodies a good time that there's a stripper pole there. It's comforting. A stripper pole is almost better than an actual stripper, just in the sense that if you actually had a stripper on there, chicks might be getting freaked out. It would be awkward. The type of stripper that you could probably get on the party bus. Would kind of kill On the New vibes. Year's Eve. <laughs> exactly. Might get a little dark. She'd probably get too drunk. Look, she really needs this, okay? <laughs> really needs it. Now, look, how, Logan, how was your uh, party bus experience? It was great. I got left behind. <laughs> Logan was one of the men left behind. Uh, now, how do you get left behind on the party bus, Logan? Well, the second party we went to, we went to a, an apartment first, and then we went to a really nice house, and... Uh, Met a lady there. I was hanging out with her most of the time, but uh, I saw um, Matt Bronger. Yes, hanging out there, fellow comedian who was a part of the party bus. I just kept my eye on him because I knew he was on the party bus, and uh, eventually the party bus was just gone. <laughs> and then I was, and then I was telling the girl I was with Emily, like you know, oh yeah, I thought the party bus didn't leave yet because Matt was here, and he's like, oh no, I. I did, had no plans on getting back on that bus. <laughs> and then Mike was there too, Mike Burns, and he said the same thing. Like I just, another, another I thought LA because comedian. they were on the bus, I could wait on them. But this is at Dave Lyons' though, house. I mean, yeah, we were at. Yeah, yeah we were that at house this party. Is so fun. Yep, nice yeah, party, good cool. times. I mean, it was still a good party. I noticed this when I was, uh, you know, being back home and uh, you know drinking in local, you know, local establishments. So you go back and uh, I was like hung over in the morning. You have that move of. Um, you know, you need water, right? So, and this, you know, in my setup, it's easy to walk over to the kitchen, but where I live, I'm upstairs, so it's a pain to walk all the way down. The, you have that you pounding come headache. down, you're a mess. Your parents are already like eating lunch. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. They're on East Coast time as they should be. You know, my dad's up there doing work, blah, blah, blah. So I, I found myself going to get a drink in the, um, in the bathroom, and there's no cups there except Dixie cups. And I can't explain to you just how I've had that exact the annoyance experience. of trying to cure a hangover with a Dixie cup because it's like you turn on the water and then it shoots it like it's it's too shallow that yeah. the water's shooting up. So you're doing like half ounces of the Dixie cup at a time, and then you like hit it down that crushes the Dixie cup, of course. Then you throw it. The Dixie cup really in these uh, ecological times, there could not be more of a waste than a Dixie cup. It doesn't get anything done. Who is if you're thirsty and you're drinking out of the bathroom? I drink out of the sink, man. I'm not a millionaire. Yeah, I know. I drink out of the sink. That was probably that was probably a good idea, Carl. I missed out on that. I, I regret that. Um, but yeah, you know, you watch a lot of TV. This, uh, I saw this, <laughs> this is one of the, it's one of the more bizarre things I've, uh, seen on television. It's an advertisement actually for a product, if you can believe it. And, uh, take a listen, if you can guess what they're advertising at any moment. 
September 11, 2001. The terrible events of that day will live in infamy, but the United States would ensure that those responsible would pay the ultimate price. Whether we bring our enemies to justice or bring justice to our enemies, justice will be done. <laughs> now, first off, the... This is, your, this is your this is your tissue line. Justice is served. That's what you said. Justice is done. Justice will be served. Yeah. God, that just uh, I mean that is of one of the things that annoy me about this. So that was right off of the top. Finally, after ten years, our nation savored the taste Sweet of justice. Tonight, I can report to the American people and to the world: justice has been done. A small team Justice of Americans carried out the operation with extraordinary... Have these guys never seen an action movie? Wait, justice is served. You don't do justice? Justice is done? ...and capability. We give thanks for the men who carried out this operation, for they exemplify the unparalleled courage of those who serve our country. And now, the historic... Sure, go for it. Oh, well, no, it just, it just tipped it. I don't know if you heard it, Logan, but... Was it? Is it a commemorative plate of yes. the death? Of no, it's going to get a coin. Oh yeah, it's a well, it's a historic <laughs> coin. Okay. He's making available the this Justice rare coin. commemorative coin, paying tribute to the Navy SEALs who carried out Operation Geronimo, featuring SEAL so Team the money Six. For this coin goes to the soldiers, right? Yeah, no, it, it goes to set up a college fund for them. Oh no, well not, well not, not monetary tribute, yeah, but yeah. Oh. And, and sure, their names aren't on it because their names aren't allowed. And we just took a guess at how they look. But their pictures, <laughs> pictures of soldiers are on there. How much is it? Oh, oh we'll get to that. Classified stealth helicopter. How, or how much is it on worth? On the other side, the tragic reminders. <laughs> the World Trade Center, God. the Pentagon, and Flight 93. Along with the powerful words of our presidents. Justice has been done. A collective <laughs> It's echoing back. Magnificent 24 karat gold. It's valued at $99, but for a limited time is now available for just $19.95. Who valued it at $99? Oh, who didn't, Carl? This is a steal. You don't even hear what they've been appraised by us for $99. But for some reason, we've thrown out all business sense and we're giving it to you for $20. Oh, man. Well, and they're, they're throwing in extra. Don't worry, we got extras to come. Protective case to preserve it and the certificate of authenticity. Giving you a DVD Luckily, of 9-11. one of the first 500 callers and you'll also receive this distinctive SEAL Team 6 lapel pin to wear with pride. <laughs> and the Operation Geronimo military briefing packet. With photographs, maps, and operational details, it's a $79 value. Today, it's yours free. Just pay shipping and processing. Altogether, an over $200 value still for only $19.95. We'll even have a 30-day inspection period to get a full <laughs> refund of your purchase price. This offer won't last long, so order right now. Unlike 9-11's memory, we will forget this deal. Um, <laughs> That's awful. It, yeah, it it is just really, really, it's just, um, it's cheesy, I guess. I, look, listen, I'm as patriotic as the next fellow, but I You're a very get, patriotic guy. Yes. Look I have at the size a, of that flag. I have a, There's a huge a flag size. here in Silver Lake Studios. Exactly. It's uh, about, I don't know, maybe it's eight than feet. than three men. It is, it is huge. It's an homage to people that served. But the Justice coin, that's, it's, it's a little bizarre. Am I wrong? Yeah, it's like, you know, if you're really that thankful, why don't you donate some money to the veterans that are getting, like, <laughs> fucked over? Yeah, you can throw $20 to the USO fund. I think yeah, that would probably Jesus. better serve than whatever this creepy coin company <laughs> that's coming up. Hey, the I got Pictures the... of all the disasters no that shame. started it. Yes, like, I uh... think the – and the Twin Towers, they're not the Twin Towers. There's smoke coming from the Twin Towers. <laughs> 
Uh, which oh. means that they had a meeting that, okay, should we put in guys jumping at it? No, that's too no, far. No. That's but too smoke, far. But definitely yeah, they smoke. Went, they okay. went through several pictures. What about? The tower's on their own. No, not dramatic enough. We need to remind what about What about razor blades? That's where the tools that were used. I'm just, okay, you're right. There's a box cutter on the back of the coin to remind us. Here's, here's a catchphrase of let's roll, you guys. Um, it's just, it's, I mean, I, I think you even tweeted something about how, yeah, it is. It is crazy that uh, ten years has passed since nine eleven, and it it is kind of a piece of history. But it still feels too fresh in yeah. my mind for a justice coin. Yeah, definitely. Well, still, I wouldn't buy a coin with uh, Pearl Harbor on the back of it. You know? Like, yeah, I don't know. I guess there's. It's weird. The, it's weird. There is a uh, yeah. At a certain you point, don't make coins to commemorate disaster, and and like yeah. it's like yeah, it's we killed who's. You don't make a coin because we killed Bin Laden. It's like what? Yeah, this makes any sense. It is. It is weird to celebrate anyone that we killed. I mean, I was excited that yes, justice was done. But <laughs> but yeah, I don't know. I feel it like the served, coin. It's justice. a little. It's a little bizarre. Speaking of bizarre guys, I don't know if you saw this week's. The Price is Right. You guys are a fan. I think everyone's a fan of the program. I'm a fan. Haven't watched it in a long. Have time. you Have you seen it since uh, Drew Carey took over? I haven't. I saw his first I'm more of a Jeopardy guy, in fact. Okay. Well, every, everyone can enjoy Jeopardy. It's on at a later hour. And, <laughs> and, uh, Press is Right. It's something that you watch when you're sick as a kid or, yes, you know, Beast Housewife. There, there's, it has its audience. <laughs> I, I enjoy Drew Carey. Obviously, it's tough to compare to Bob Barker, especially growing up on Bob Barker. He's what have you? He's, he's a legend. He's doing what he can. Um, Drew Carey there. But uh, this week they were doing a celebrity, celebrity prices, right? This is uh, Snoop Dogg. He was on, like, helping contestants, and uh, I thought this was pretty great. This is Snoop Dogg uh, encouraging a woman on her uh, prices, right? 419. You're close, baby. You're very close. 15. 15 you're close. 36. You're going to get it. You're going to get it. You can do it. You're going to get it, baby. You can do it. You're going to get it. It's all down to the bird feed. Oh, my God. You said bird feed was $6. If it is, you're a winner. How much for birdseed? $5.99, you're a winner! Good old Snoop Dogg. Now, this is this woman later. All right, this is great because Snoop Dogg, they have him introduce the showcase, which is pretty... This is where Snoop Dogg really gets the shine. This is where he shines. Alexis Normando. If there's one thing I love to do most, it's performing for my fans. Yeah, and you're going to be right there with me when you come see my show in New Orleans! <laughs> He's going to be hosting a game show in like five years. You want to guess what fly? Round trip coach from Long. Yeah, and then it goes through his whole thing. The crazy part is this woman who is being helped out by Snoop Dogg, she had first choice in the selection of The Price is Right, the, you know, the um, showcase showdown as it is. And you never know, okay, is this the good showcase or should I pass and go for the next showcase? The first showcase had a private Snoop Dogg concert where you hang out with Snoop Dogg backstage in the car. And the lady passed. That's obviously the good showcase. If they have and a the other Dunk. one is just uh, just a show. No, the other one is uh, it's great because he introduces it. He goes, well, it was also for charity. Like he coaches um, a football team, or he is like a football league, a Snoop Youth Football League. Of course, of course he does. And he starts off. He goes. Yeah, every year for our all-star Snoop football youth program, my Uncle Leroy throws down on the gangsterest ribs with his own original recipe. You know what? You can be enjoying ribs on your new barbecue set. <laughs> and, then, and then it goes, and what better way to celebrate that barbecue set than on a brand new boat? And so clearly, 
the boat I felt like wasn't as nice as the car and the private uh, Snoop Dogg concert. Or the, but it's a boat, though. It was. You get you get yeah, to eat ribs on a boat. That sounds pretty good. It's comparable. I'll, I'll, if you're an old lady, you're grilling on a boat. Do you get to grill with Snoop Dogg on a boat and Uncle Leroy? Is Uncle Leroy it was, involved? It was unclear where the grill would be installed. I don't know if it could fit on the boat. It didn't <laughs> seem like uh, it didn't seem like there'd be room for the grill on the boat. And okay. it, and it seemed like a legit grill, small like boat, a nice brick. Yeah, small. it was it was a it was a speedboat. Meanwhile, this woman is like a early 30s she would have no idea how to operate a speedboat probably couldn't handle the torque she's gonna be flying off <laughs> she couldn't probably. handle g's she'd, uh, she'd be pulling too many g's probably couldn't handle that i mean let's be honest guys um 32 year old woman who probably hasn't had a lot of uh, nautical training you throw her on a speedboat that is her a seamanship recipe. is very poor that is a recipe for disaster it is They're just let a chick take care of a high-speed uh, boat motor i mean you're being distracted by your grill responsibilities too plus they're yeah. lightweight she probably has two cosmos. It is yeah. a running over manatees. It is a. It is a <laughs> now I'm putting a lot on this lady, but I, I, it just seems you're like paying, a, you're paying a good picture. It's a disaster waiting to happen, Carl. I, I don't know. I mean, I don't. Why is Snoop like? Why is he on there? Is that a thing where they bring celebrities on, or is it just? Like, I guess this was Snoop a, has to be on everything. He it, also has to be on the prices, right? It is one of those things. I guess this in particular was a charity thing. He raised uh, seventy-two grand for his Snoop. Uh, well, that's cool. Program. That's cool. Hey, He's raising money yeah. for. Her. Hey, sounds good. Sounds like a good, wholesome fun. But in my mind, or just from since I've been involved in watching entertainment or seeing entertainment, can you tell me someone who's had a greater career transformation than Snoop Dogg? It's no. it's hard to think. Uh, Ice Cube kind of did that a little bit, but Snoop Dogg. Snoop has become like truly ubiquitous. He is grandma's love Snoop Dogg. He is just America's favorite funny, goofy. Like he says phrases. Yeah. I mean, he could be on Ryan Seacrest, and he could be on you know. Just the uh, fact that th- there was a show that existed called Doggy Fizzle Television. Yes, exactly. Just the fact that that existed, uh, it puts him in a whole different strata. And literally, he went from he was charged with murder. He was yeah. charged with murder. Murder was Calvin Brodus was on the edge of catching a case. Murder was the case that he gave that they gave him. That was based on a true story. He he was charged with murder. Mm-hmm. He got off. They tried to serve him with justice. <laughs> yes, justice was not done. <laughs> now, how does okay? Obviously, the case is completely different. But now, how does a guy like OJ? Go from being charged with murder and being a high entertainment person well, to that's his the thing. career. That's after. the thing. It's like Snoop made his name as a hardcore gangster rapper talking about killing people and drugs. Right. OJ was like an all American athlete. Like no one expected that from him. Yes. You know. So it's like it's not something <laughs> Snoop. It's like of course Snoop killed a guy. But then, yeah. but then it comes back to now he's ubiquitous. Like he is. Is he though? Everyone yeah. still is kind of like, what's up, Snoop? No, with OJ. Oh, no, no, no. I'm saying, no, how was Snoop able to? Well, he beat the case. Yeah. But then he, got he, so he beat OJ. the case. And in Snoop's defense. He was like 19. Right. He was 19. And it literally sounded like a, a pretty legitimate case of self-defense. From what I remember, from what I glossed over in the E! True Hollywood story. Yeah, uh, that exactly. What I remember five years ago when I was late at night watching E! True Hollywood that's, story. That Snoop probably had an arm in producing. I guess what happened was he was at a park. His bodyguard ended up shooting uh, this dude that was supposedly coming up to shoot Snoop. They found a gun on that guy. It, it seemed like enough to, yeah. to create. But it wasn't even him. It was his bodyguard. I think that's what it was. But he was charged as an accessory to okay. murder because he was there. So I get. But 
Accessory That's to murder. That's all behind him now. Accessory to the murder was the case that they gave me. Not as good of a ring, Carl. <laughs> not, not as And you know in <laughs> show business, you got to make it snappy, man. Yeah. You got to make it snappy. All right, let's see. Okay, here we go. <laughs> he's, he's nothing if not a showman. <laughs> now, this next person I don't think will ever rebound. This is uh, Casey Anthony is oh, back no. in the public, oh, this yes. time with her own video blog. I'm only going to play a little bit because it's that – it's just mind-bogglingly boring. But I, I just feel like it's still <laughs> – it, it, it's still kind of chilling listening to this, knowing what she did or what she was a part of or at least – she should sound sad all the time if she was innocent, I would think. Here's a little uh, Casey Anthony's <laughs> yeah, exactly. video blog. So this is my first video diary. It is October 13th, which is a Thursday, 2011. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm just starting to figure out my new computer. And wow, I don't know. I guess I'm liking it so far. It's obviously a different game for me because I've never used this before. So I guess these will be as tedious as my audio recordings have been. It's been a long time since I've been able to call something mine and now... (laughs) I mean, it it was just worth playing as a slice of life of, or just interesting to... I hope I don't kill this computer. (laughs) (laughs) She talks about how she adopted a dog, and then all the YouTube comments are like, are you going to kill that dog? Hey, don't kill that dog. Someone better get that dog. (laughs) Something that you can call your own. I don't know, like perhaps a child that you gave birth to. Yeah, exactly. It's like... It's like you got out, you got out of murder. It's like, just put your head down and go away. Like, why? Oh, well, she's got a... This is another case. Justice not served. Justice not done. Can, can we get any justice on this radio program? <laughs> no. We, this is what my show... They serve justice. They should just be doing it. That's yeah. the problem. Yeah, maybe you're right. I, and it's weird. Maybe we should just do a radio program, a podcast, whatever, where all I do is serve justice on people. Because I don't know what it is. Sean Green serves it up. Sean drops the Daytime camera. TV, all it is is filled up with guys just doling out justice. Yeah. Judge right. Judy. It's justice. All these heavy. other judges. They, yeah, they just level out justice and people seem to be. In inconsequential civil cases. <laughs> exactly. Right. <laughs> right. Really <laughs> overly heavy handed justice and inconsequential cases that no one cares about yeah it is weird you owe him two hundred dollars for that garage door i have spoken <laughs> justice is done oh man there is a uh, uh you gotta google if you guys are looking for some fun here uh i think it's like guy high on judge judy oh, wow. <laughs> it's just i'm, sh- I'm sure she's not having any of it a uh, guy oh, stone judge, judge joe brown There's oh maybe it was head. maybe it was judge joe brown I, one of these judge shows Guy just shows up stoned out of his mind, and there's just this great pothead moment where she's like, do you have anything to say for yourself? Are you talking to me? <laughs> and it was just that, it was that extra long uh, stoner beat where it's Literally like, yes. doesn't know. I never watch those shows, but in Milwaukee, like, you know, you have all day free when you're waiting to perform, and just, I turned on Judge Joe Brown, and there was like five cases in a row that were all about horses. It was like horse really? day. It was like, she injured my horse. She owes me $150. Like, you closed the garage door on my horse. This is an outrage. I was like, what is that? It was the equestrian day of uh, Judge Joe Brown's docket. Those shows are so ridiculous. Real quick, I remember, uh, speaking of back home and horses, I remember Bethlehem, where I'm from. uh, They have a big uh, music festival every year, once a year for a week. And um, it's called Music Fest. And it's just, they set up all these tents, different bands, a lot of food, a lot of boozing. And I remember there was a big case in the local paper 
apparently a horse named Rusty um, got punched in the face by a guy who was drunk, and they were charging him with uh, assault of an officer. Wow. And now this same horse, three days later, a guy it was, was a trying. Cop horse? Yeah, yeah, it was a it was a horse. The horse's name was Rusty. That's the plot to have. Wait, wait, was there exactly. a, was there a cop on the horse? I think there was a cop was on just the a horse. Loose, no, no, a no, loose no. cannon police <laughs> horse. He's like he's on his own. Like I'm getting the officer off my back. I'm going out by myself. I'm going to take down some of these hippies. No, that's a great premise for a movie. Uh, undercover horse cop. <laughs> hey, guys. Well, you want to smoke? Suspended, Nelly. You're not supposed to be on this case. <laughs> don't worry. We can talk about the drugs. There's just, it's just this horse. He's cool, right, How horse? dare you? Yay! <laughs> I want your saddle and stirrups on my desk by morning. <laughs> <laughs> Million dollar idea. Dude, He's th- serving justice left and right. That is awesome. Yeah, I don't know. The story, yeah, the cop, the horse got punched in the head, and then three days later, that same horse, a guy was trying to avoid a DUI checkpoint and backed into the horse, and I think he rolled his ankle or something. <laughs> the horse had a really tough Officer run. Rusty was injured in the line of duty. But, like you said, Carl, that is a great premise for a movie plot, yeah. Undercover Horse Cop. I think I, mean, I think we got fact, something there. The, like as as ridiculous as that sounds, I literally think that that wouldn't be ridiculous in the context of movies that are getting made in Hollywood right now. It could sell. Hey, Airbud, Airbud's uh, moved some units. Beverly Hills Chihuahua. That's a movie. It is. They're making a movie of the game Battleship. Yes, it is not. Really? Yeah, Undercover Horse Cup is <laughs> not. Why is that horse necessary? Cop. Why can't you just? There are a lot of battles involving ships. Just make it about because, a real yeah. Battle. What happened to Battle of the Midway? Huh? <laughs> yeah. When are we going to get a good Midway Battle movie? All right, Logan. Uh, wow, man. Looks like our time is up here. Logan, you want to uh, wrap second. things up with a haiku? Let's do it. Okay, here you go. Two Sons of Philly. The Undercover Horse Cop. Late entry. Jeff Ross Connections. All right. I feel like wow. you phoned that last one in yeah. later, but it was, uh, it was, that was no, good. That was off the cuff. There was no punchy one. It was topical. Yeah. All right. Well, Carl, appreciate you coming on the program. So uh, much, where guys. can people check you out? Uh, you can follow me on Twitter. It's at Carl Hess. That's Carl with a K. I hope you haven't been picturing me as a C Carl this whole no. time. C Carls no, are no. garbage. Yes, They're we all know. They're humanly garbage. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, follow me on Twitter because, uh, you know, I'm, I'm desperately insecure. Okay, there you go. Check him out. I'm sure you'll be uh, tweeting all your uh, stand-up dates, where you're at, where you can get more Carl Hess. Exactly. Thank you, Carl, and thank you, everyone, for listening to The Green Room. We do it live here every week on SeanTGreen.com. CD, the Whiskey Dick, now available on iTunes. Follow the show on Twitter at Green Room Show. Check out the Comedy Garage now on Hulu. What he seen her walk by in them tight jeans, and he looked at her like that's my queen, cause he thought that he could hold her, but it don't work.